Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, welcome to Believe in Clips of Football. I am Will Vandervoort. As you can see, my normal colleague who's with me is not with us today. Instead, it's Cameron Burnett, not LaVon Kirkland. Uh, LaVon uh, is having a family situation, um, so it's personal, and uh, he's going to try to get back next week. Um, but, uh, LaVon, we're thinking about you, buddy. We're praying. Um, hope everything's okay. Uh, so, Cameron, thanks, man, for filling in for us. We appreciate you, dude. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. Obviously, unfortunate circumstances, but I hope I can deliver the same performances that LaVon does. Absolutely. So um, anyway, today, if you're joining us, uh, we're going to talk about Clemson's big win over Georgia Tech last week. I think one that really kind of surprised a lot of us because I think a lot of us thought Clemson was going to win, but not the way in which they won. And also the people who contributed to Clemson winning that game last week. And I think that's something we're going to talk about because Cameron, uh, before we get dive into it here, the freshmen last week were just phenomenal in this game. And Dabo talked about the week before with George with Notre Dame. He says, uh, "You better take some. Uh, you better buy Clemson because it's going up." And um, man, with the way those freshmen looked last week, he's not lying. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because obviously, coming into this year, when you're through however many games with a team that's as old as they are, you're like, oh my God, you're going to lose this core. You're going to lose potentially all these defensive linemen, lose some of your best linebackers if they decide to leave. And you start to wonder who you're going to have left, but then you show up Saturday and you're led by five massive plays by freshmen and it's on top of many more. And it's like, oh, well, whatever you doubted about this team, they're set up for the future. And it's really impressive given where Clemson stands right now. Yes, it is, and um, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what happens here next week, and we're gonna get into this game with North Carolina as well a little bit later too. But before we get into all that stuff, let's go ahead and give a shout out to our sponsors. Um, want to say thank you to the Clemson Insider for helping us uh, each and every week using their platforms, as we, you can find us on the Clemson Insider Facebook page, as well as the Clemson Insider YouTube page um, and Twitter page, and so we appreciate uh, that as we go live each Tuesday. Night now, a uh, little want to go ahead. Uh, I guess a TSA or an announcement to make next week. We're going to be on Monday um, because, um, for obvious, re- uh, I'm going to be actually at the Union County uh, Clemson Club next week, speaking next Tuesday night uh, about the South Carolina game. So if you're over in the Union area, come on over and, and, and join us. And um, I'm going to talk about the. You know, it's called the uh, Carolina. That's called the yeah. Is it called the Carolina roast or the chicken roast? Excuse me. It's called the chicken roast, the annual chicken roast. So um, I'm kind of looking forward to that. It's going to be kind of fun, you know, to roast on the Gamecocks uh, next week. So uh, I'll be in Union next uh, Monday, uh, Tuesday night. So next Monday we're going to have the uh, the podcast there. So just a little note uh, for you guys uh, that join join us on Tuesday night. Need to look for it on Monday night. I'll put that out on on the social media too so everybody who sees it can it can see everybody who needs to see it will see it anyway but i want to thank robert mccray and the clips and insider for always helping us each and every week 
the most complete coverage of all Clemson athletics and recruiting. Go on over to the ClemsonInsider.com and check them out. Also want to say thanks to um, Tip It Back Sports Grill. Um, they're the place to be to watch all your college football action this season. Tip It Back Sports Grill is located at 215 Pelham Road in Greenville. And then, of course, our main sponsor, uh, who's been with us from day one, and that would be betonline.ag. We appreciate those folks over there. BetOnline is your number one source for betting uh, on all your top sports in the NBA this season. Also, uh, you got the NFL and college football wrapping things up. The NHL, as you know, is in full swing. So BetOnline is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with a desktop and mobile access for every sport anytime. Head on over to Bet Online today and get in on all the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Believe, that's B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that promo code is B L E A V. So we'll use that when you head on over to Bet Online um, and you'll get 50% off on that welcome bonus. Uh, Bet Online is the place to be, betonline.ag, where the game starts. Uh, and then, uh, again, as we said earlier, Tippeback Sports Grill, located at 215 Pelham Road in Greenville, South Carolina. It's the place to be this football season. If you've never been over there, you got to go try it out. Uh, a lot of TVs, a lot of good food. Um, go give them a shot. It's the, uh, co- it is college football the way you want it. Tippeback Sports Grill has all the biggest games from around the country on their many TV screens, including Clemson, South Carolina, and all the games from the ACC and SEC. If you're looking for the NFL, uh, Tip It Back Sports has your Sunday games as well, and they are the home of your Pittsburgh Steelers in the Greenville area. So Tip It Back Sports Grill is located at the Collins at Pelham and is open seven days a week. On Mondays, it's Twisted Trivia Night as well as Monday Night Football. On other nights, they'll have karaoke and live music. Um, Every Saturday is, of course, college football, and on Sundays is the NFL and the Pittsburgh Steelers. So go see Tim Cinco and his team over at Tippet Back Sports Grill, located at the Commons in Pelham. Tippet Back Sports is the place to be for your college and NFL action this season. Hey, Cameron, I don't know if you've ever been over there, man, but you you got to go try it out sometime. We'll have to go over mm-hmm. there, you know, and, and take you over there for a night maybe um, – so you can kind of see what it's like, you know. Maybe we'll do it during a Steelers game. How about I was that? about to say, I need, I need to avoid it being a Cowboys game because if I show up with <laughs> Cowboys gear, I might not be allowed in. So. Yeah, don't wear your famous hat uh, if you go there, okay? Make, make sure you have a generic hat on. Um, you know, you don't go wear Cleveland. You don't wear uh, anything Ravens, uh, Patriots, or Cowboys or Raiders. Pretty much just stay away from that. You know, if you wear any of the other teams, you'll be fine. Philadelphia Eagles don't wear that either. Um, but, but, uh, in all seriousness, that they're great people. And you, if you want to go watch an NFL game up there, they're not going to care. Um, you know, you go watch your team. If you want to go watch the Cowboys play, you can go do that, man. We're not gonna hold that against you. Um, but, uh, anyway, appreciate all those, appreciate our sponsors and everybody else. And appreciate all you out there that have joined us, um, as we kind of, you know, get ready to go here. Uh, Clemson coming off a big win. Uh, the other day against Georgia Tech, 42-21. to 21. Cameron, I just want to get your first initial reactions to the 42-21 to 21 victory over Georgia Tech. Yeah, and I think it was interesting because, obviously, we've always been talking about fast starts and all these little details. And even as we come over, like, okay, we might have a little – we were feeling good about the team. We were like, oh, no, here we go again. A little bit of concerns at the start. 
And then they rip off 42 unanswered and we're sitting there. I remember, I believe we're sitting there in the third quarter, Will, and we're looking at each other. We're talking about how the freshmen are already doing well. <laughs> it was right after Avion Terrell decided Tyler Brown's one-handed catch wasn't enough and decided to get an interception with a defender literally pulling him backwards. Mm-hmm. And we said it then. Then the freshmen get three more takeaways. It was just impressive to see. And obviously, look what happens when the Clemson defense gets a lead. Yeah, the Clemson defense is, as we've said all year, if the offense just manages the game and doesn't put them in uh, bad situations, good things are going to happen. And if you put them in the lead and you give them a lead, a lot of good things are going to happen because then they can play more aggressive and they can control the game more. Um, and then, you know, there's all different things you can do as a play caller when you know you have the lead. And I'm going to give the Clemson offense some credit. They have played much better the last two weeks. Kate Klubnick has been very um, – I know people say, well, his numbers aren't that great. And Notre Dame game especially, they weren't great, but he didn't make that big mistake, right? Even the interception that was charged to him, it wasn't his fault. You know, that was on Bo Collins for dropping the ball um, <clears throat> and get, having it pop up in the air. So – and then last week, you know, he did have the one interception um, that Brenny stole where he kind of should have just maybe led him a little bit further up the field um, and, or maybe go over the top of him, and there's a bigger play there. That's just, I think, you got to learn in the moment, and that's something he'll look in the film and he'll say, okay, next time I know I, what I need to do different on that kind of play. Um, but he threw four touchdown passes last week, threw for 200-something yards, I thought it was a good, solid performance overall for him. And because he was able to throw the football, it it allowed that running game to really get going, and the Tigers ran for 265 yards. Now, listen, Georgia Tech's defense is not very good. We know that. They're they're probably the worst defense Clemson has seen and will see the rest of this year, and that's including South Carolina. I think South Carolina's defense is better than Georgia Tech's. But it was good to see Clemson execute against it. And, and, and take advantage of playing a bad defense. And then that by them doing that and getting a lead there in the second quarter, then the defense just took over against what we thought would be a more challenging offense against Clemson. This is an offense that averaging um, well over 400 yards a game. Uh, they were, you know, their quarterback, uh, Haynes King, was just second in the ACC behind Drake May with 319 total yards. Uh, led the conference in touchdown passes, 22-10. to 10. I mean, just, you know, doing everything he wanted against everybody. Averaged almost 70 yards a game rushing. And Clemson just shut him down. I mean, the Clemson defense, I thought it was their best performance of the entire season because of the offense they were playing. This offense that had scored 91 points and averaged almost 600 yards a game the previous two games combined. So they're averaging that those numbers coming in and feeling good about themselves, and Clemson just shut them down like they weren't even a problem at all. Mm-hmm. And obviously it was a complete performance from the defense. At halftime, I believe, Haynes King had minus eight total yards if you account the sacks that he was mm-hmm. taking. It was complete domination. And what was interesting, though, and I, I think we talked about this, was the running game for Georgia Tech kind of got a little bit of momentum early on, but then as we saw Clemson started rolling – they were able to lock up those holes. And then Haynes King just had no options. It, it was a mix of whatever defensive backs that Clemson rolled out on the field. We talked about the freshmen. We can talk about the veteran guys. And it was just nothing left for Georgia Tech to do. And when the Clemson offense gets a defense like that, 
that's going to be the result, especially with the Death Valley crowd behind them. Yeah, and speaking of those freshmen, one of those freshmen was Shelton Lewis, who was named ACC Rookie of the Week um, for his uh, performance um, in Saturday's win over Georgia Tech. He was making his first career start, and of course he seized the opportunity, recording four pass breakups and his first career interception, which he returned 46 yards for a touchdown. The pick six was Clemson's single-season record, tying fourth of the season. Lewis uh, Lewis's four breakups were also one shy of the school's single-game record of five set by, you remember this guy, Perry Williams against Virginia Tech in 1985. I'm sure you remember that guy. Um, he's represented for the first four breakup day by a Clemson player since Mario Goodrich did it at Syracuse in 2021. Uh, Lewis faced stiff competition from his teammates from this week's honor as Clemson's freshmen shined, as you mentioned, in the victory. True freshman Avion Terrell and Khalil Barnes and redshirt freshman Colin Griffin each added interceptions as well, making Clemson the first FBS team since at least 2000 to have four different freshmen record an interception in a single game. That's according to the stats performed. Uh, Lewis was also one of three freshmen to score a touchdown on Saturday, joining Brown, wide receiver Tyler Brown, and also freshman, redshirt freshman tight end Josh Sapp. Um, just an amazing uh, day when I when I yell when I set out those numbers. First of all, something four breakups in a game, first time a freshman done that since 1985. That's amazing, and then you know, and then just have all those freshmen, Cameron, just making plays like i mean i mean we're not talking just on defense and and it wasn't like they did it mop-up duty these these were these guys were all playing in critical moments of the game and making these plays and that's why i said you know the headline of our show is the future looks bright for clemson it really does like we started off by saying Dabo sweeney saying what he said you know the stock is rising for clemson you better you better buy low because it's about to rise well he ain't wrong He's not wrong when I see these freshmen. And I mean, let's talk about it. It wasn't just those guys. Uh, Peter Woods was killing it. TJ Parker, killing it. I mean, what do we got over on Harris Sewell on the offensive line? True freshman, killing it the other day. I mean, I, we could go on and on with the, how many freshmen are playing and contributing at a high level. And then on top of that, obviously, he might not be a freshman, but when you put all that together, with strong game management quarterback play out of Cade Klubnik, I just don't see how you can have a lot of concern going into the future and a season that might not, that seems so bleak at one point. You're like, okay, well, whatever goes on for the rest, Clemson's set up well for the future. And yeah, you mentioned it. Peter, can we believe we've got to a point where we're not even talking about TJ Parker and Peter Woods? I don't. Like, like, like those two are wrecking shop. It's like, oh, oh yeah, right. we forgot about those two guys. Yeah, like, oh yeah, no, th- th- those two. Remember that run game that started off initially really well, in the at the first quarter, and for the rest couldn't get anything going. Yeah, that's a result of those two, and those are the quiet guys, if you will, for the Clemson defense on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, quiet. If you you know if you don't pay attention, watch Peter Woods just mm-hmm. destroying guards and centers. Um, and that shouldn't be allowed on national TV. And also that, that brings me to mention, he is also another guy who's not a freshman, but Demonte Capehart yeah. is Richard snatching, Sopo, by the way, yeah. snatching souls up yes. front. him and Peter Woods right next to each other. And those are the guys that are behind Rukororo and Tyler Davis. You know, think about that. Everybody says Peter Woods looks like Christian Wilkins. And he does. I see the, I see the style of play and everything. 
you know who Demonte Capehart reminds me of? And it's just early on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I know some people are probably going to want to slap me for this. <laughs> he reminds me of the great late Chester McLaughlin. Um, and the way Chester used to play. And the, the funny thing about it is Chester wore 91. He wears 19. So, <laughs> so there's a little bit of a flip on history there. But, but he's got that same body type, and he's so strong. The way he can just stand a guard up or center and just throw him down like a rag doll. I mean, that's a, he did it against Notre Dame's all-everything center. Just yeah. obliterated him. And then, and, then, and then grabbed a hold of one of the strongest running backs in the country and just threw him to the ground like it was nothing. Chester McLaughlin used to do stuff like that. I know you never saw him play. Chester McLaughlin was a beast. And that and when you look at his body type and the way he plays, it reminds me of Chester McLaughlin. And so I hope he ends up having the same kind of career Chester McLaughlin had at Clemson. Um also, Chester McLaughlin could really throw down some beer, too. Uh, saw that personally <laughs> several times back in the old days. So, uh, you know, but, yeah, these are uh, very interesting when you look at this young Clemson team, and they're young on both sides of the ball, and they're and they're going to be good, and they're really going to be good. I tell you, this team, as they go along here throughout this season, you know, we'll see how they finish up. But, you know, right now we're seeing too many young people make a lot of plays. Don't, there's never too many young people making a lot of plays now. Come on now. Well, that's true. You know, um, so yeah, we got a couple people on, on um, we got a couple people talking about how the future looks bright uh, for Clemson. Um, you know, some mentioned the red shirts as we we're talking about. Also, the sophomores, uh, the young linebackers. Oh, yeah, let's talk D- about D. Creighton. that. D. Creighton, yeah. we, we didn't expect to see a lot of him, but we did. Obviously, we know what Wade Woodaz can do. We've seen that. He's a lot of a ball hawk, similar to Khalil Barnes, obviously a freshman. But D. Creighton came in, obviously didn't start the game with – we know the – linebacker pedigree and they had to move what with Barrett Carter out so that so they had sl- slid what into that role next to Jeremiah Trotter and then we saw D Creighton come in and there wasn't a major drop-off which is insane to think about it's every single time Clemson's had to deal with a lot of injuries and while they're getting a lot healthier even when something like that comes up with what felt like really close to the game it's not impacting the team heavily and that's really impressive and of course, today we spoke with Kobe McLeod, uh, Clemson linebacker. He's another guy that had, uh, I think he had a couple of tackles behind the line of scrimmage, made some plays the other day during his opportunity in there because of Barrett Carter not playing. So he played a little bit more than he has been. He's been mostly special teams and stuff like that. Uh, but he got to play a lot the other day as well. And he's a, uh, by the way, um, Cameron, he's a redshirt freshman. So, you know, I mean, you know, we're just talking about all these freshmen out here. I mean, it's like you're watching the future of Clemson. And and I know some people out there are like, oh, well, that just shows you Clemson didn't recruit very well the last three years. Have you been watching Clemson's defense, dude? Apparently I not. I mean, apparently not, because I don't think anything's wrong with Clemson's defense the last three years. Uh, Clemson's defense has been one of the top defenses in the country. So I wouldn't say they're not developing players over there. Did you not watch the NFL draft last year? Um, you know, a couple guys were drafted in the first round, just, you know, another guy in the third round. I think they were doing okay on defense last year, too. Um, obviously not paying attention to football over there. Uh, so, you know, uh, Clemson right now, and that's the thing, because you got these young players, but you still got the veteran players there, too. 
I mean, you know, you, you're still going to get Jalen Phillips back. You're still going to get R.J. Mickens is back the other day, and he played well as he has all season. I still think he's the best um, player. I'm just talking about as a football player on that defensive side because he's so smart and he's such a good leader. Um, and then Andrew Makuba has played, I thought, have a, he looks like Andrew Makuba's freshman year, mm-hmm. without a doubt. Um, and then, of course, the defensive line has been nasty all season long. And Nate Wiggins, by the way, anybody see that knock, that knock, that the PBU by Nate Wiggins the other day? That would have been a touchdown had he doesn't get his hands on the ball there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is when that ball was thrown, Nate Wiggins is probably three or four strides, and it literally looks like a walk in touchdown. And when people ask why Nate Wiggins is a real NFL prospect, just show them that play and absolutely nothing else because. A cornerback, an outside corner, is not supposed to have range like that. That's safety range, and it saved a touchdown. It did. It did. And there was there was two plays. They had the one guy drop the pass. The freshman Singleton dropped the pass. That should have been a walk-in touchdown also. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were two plays that really made the difference in the game because you wonder – I think Clemson still wins the game, but, but I think it would have been a lot tighter than people realized it would have been. But Clemson still just shut down Haynes King. I mean, he was no factor at all in that game. And, and that's why Haynes King made those mistakes later in the game. Cause I think he was frustrated and aggravated and Clemson just really got after him. And we talked today about, I asked Justin Maskell and we're going to talk about North Carolina game a little bit. I, I asked him, I'm like, what'd you guys do to really kind of frustrate Drake may, especially in the red zone last year. And he said, he said, yeah, he said, we just try to, you know, just go after, get after him and just, make him work and run around instead of actually just being able to sit in the pocket. And he says, I think that helped us. I think you see Clemson kind of have a similar game plan this week against the Tar Heels, but we'll get into that in a little bit later because that's a different beast, that North Carolina offense. Man, it's a different beast. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I want to go back to the offensive side of the ball because we mentioned earlier what what um, what uh, um, the offense looked like and what the quarterback situation looked like with Kate Klubnick and what he did. But I also want to talk about the running game again. For the second week in a row, it looks solid. It looks strong. Um, they dominated the line of scrimmage, especially second quarter on. Um, uh, you know, I thought Phil Moffa was every bit as dominating as he was against Notre Dame. Uh, you know, 97 yards on 17 carries, I believe. You know, then you had Shipley with 11 carries for 77 yards, and including that doggone great. 32-yard touchdown run. Mm. Just the offense, I thought, showed a lot of character again. And, and now you're starting two weeks in a row now, you've seen some consistency from the offense. I think we'll see it again this week. Yeah, and I think one of the underestimated things, because you say obviously those two running backs have like nearly 180 yards on the ground together, but the two were used a lot in the passing game. I mean, we saw both of them create first downs on third downs on – just simple checkdowns. And that's something that in an offense like Garrett Riley's where he talks about that dirt raid and where Cade Klubnick talks about, he doesn't want to always create, he's repeated this week after week where while he might always want the big play, he's willing to look down and he sees those running backs. And when you can integrate that into the offense, it's something special. And then another mention, obviously we talked about it for a second, but Josh Sapp had to step in on Saturday with the injury to say Dennis, it's, a brutal, a brutal loss, especially in the run game. So we'll see how that plays into the future. Obviously, when you lose such a great blocking tight end, but Sap comes in and makes a touchdown catch. And the only other time we'd seen him extensively this year, he had a, he had a touchdown catch. So I think it's interesting to see. Well, now 
while you might lose a little bit in the run game, now you can put two tight ends on the field and defenses can't sit there and be like, okay, they're going to run the football. No, you've got two guys that can go up and make catches over defenders whenever you need them to. Yeah, I like the way he went up and high-pointed that ball and mm-hmm. took it off the head of the Georgia Tech uh, linebacker. That was a very, very good play. I, I mentioned, I said it looked like T. Higgins because he has number five. Now, obviously bigger, thicker T. Higgins, but uh, but nonetheless, you know, you know, looked like a T. Higgins there wearing that number five purple jersey and just going up and snagging the ball like he did. And that's what Clemson needs. The more of those guys you can get on the field that can high point the football and go get it, that just helps your quarterback. You know, you saw that last night with Russell Wilson. What do he do? He just throws the ball up, right? And, you know, one guy makes a catch for a touchdown. The other guy causes a big penalty at the end of the game. So when you have guys that you trust as a quarterback and you say, okay, well, you know what? I got nothing there. I'm just going to throw it up and let my guy go make a play. Mm-hmm. When you see that and you see your redshirt freshman's tight end, come in and make that kind of play. If you're Kate Klubnick, you're like, you know what? All right, maybe I will throw that ball to him a little bit more over there. You know, he just made a heck of a play. And so, um, you know, that's just – that. I always tell everybody, look, as great as Deshaun and Trevor were, his receivers – those two guys' receivers made them look good too because they knew they could just throw any the ball in the vicinity and those guys were going to come down with it. And that's something Clemson hasn't had in a long time, you know, since T. Higgins, to be honest with you. And so that's a big deal with this offense now. You're starting to see receivers and tight ends making these kind of catches. And now you're like, okay, well, you know, you got Tyler Brown, who's just, first of all, pound for pound, there's nobody tougher on that Clemson team than Tyler Brown. He should not have even been playing the other day, guys. You don't understand. He should not have been playing. And he's out there not only playing but making plays. And and, and it's just uh, that guy, that young man is just amazing because he's my height. He's a little bit skinnier than me, but he's my height. He's 5'8". They say he's 5'10". He ain't 5'10". Me and Tyler Brown are side by side, and I look him straight in the eye. Trust me, he ain't 5'10". So, uh, you know, he's just, man, that guy's unbelievable. He's one of the best receivers, I think, in the ACC. And I think he has the potential to be one of the best receivers in the country by the time his career's over. Well, if y'all are the same height, can I see you go make that one-handed catch? Or I cannot make that one-handed catch. There's no way. I mean, again, a freshman, by the way. Um, you know, uh, I cannot make that one-handed catch. I mean, that was amazing. Remember how we all looked in the press box? We were like everybody like, in the stands. We're all like, whoa, did we just see that? I mean, that was a fantastic play, you know, and, and then Avion Terrell says, I'm going to one-up you. You know, later in the game, you know, he makes his first interception with a, a left-handed catch. And I'm going to get into that, but I'll, I'll do it right now because that technique by Avion Terrell was – it looked like a senior with his technique. He First of all, Singleton tries to do a double move on him. Didn't work. Avion just didn't buy it at all. Then he face guards him all the way up the field. So instead of shielding him with the sideline, he face guards him. And then when he sees the ball coming, he turns around, has the presence to turn around, and then catches it with his left hand. One hands it with his left hand and brings it in. That was a heck of a play by a guy who's a true freshman. I mean, that was – his brother couldn't have done that better in the NFL. I mean, that was NFL technique. 
the way he did on that play. I mean, it was superb. And I think that's what's impressive also with Avion coming in to this program with the standard that his brother obviously built. When you come in with that pedigree as the as the little brother to a player like that, an all-pro guy in the NFL, and to show up and do that in your freshman season, it's impressive. And then <clears throat> another thing that I wanted to mention earlier, a little off topic from what you're talking about now, well, when we were talking about the wide receivers and the tight ends, when it's that confidence for guys to make it in the vicinity, forget that. That might be good, but honestly, I think it might be Klubnik's best throw of the year. That touchdown mm-hmm. to Brenningstool is was between three or four defenders, and he just put it right on right on his numbers. Yeah, the, he had he but, had the linebacker and the linebacker dropping back, and he had a safety, I believe, on the play, and he threw in between both of them. To where Brenny, it was just in that window, the tiny window he had to get it to Brenny Stool. It was an NFL type throw. It really was. There's no other way to say it. That was an NFL type throw he put in there, which he shows those flashes, right? So we know it's in him. We we know that stuff is in him, and he showed it. He's got that arm strength to do it. And so, um, you know, he's not he's not like what's his name at Tennessee, but he's got a strong arm, stronger than people realize. And uh, that was a heck of a play. Um, by him and um, by the way by the way uh, Scott Millsap asked on Facebook does Roddy um, does uh, Garrett Riley script the first series of games like Elliot did yes he does um, just every coach every office coordinator is going to script the first 16 plays of the game uh, that's generally the rule I don't know why it's 16 uh, but generally well, you generally can't it's the, it anymore it's, the, it's yeah the and they do and um, you know because the offense, the offense got off to a fast start. Um, was it against Notre Dame, the second series they scored mm-hmm. against Notre Dame? So I know they got off to a little bit of a sluggish start, didn't really get going to the third third series this game. But they do script the first couple of plays. But, guys, you got to understand, I was watching the program game the other day, and I thought Charles Davis said it right. Listen, co- coaches call the plays, and, yes, sometimes the coaches call bad plays, and it happens. But generally on the scripted plays – if the scripted plays don't work, it's generally because of execution. You know, it only takes one guy to mess up the play. It could be somebody on the offensive line. It could be somebody running the wrong route. It could be the quarterback overthrows the ball. It's not the play caller. So he says very rarely in a in the scripted part of the game is it the play caller's fault for what goes wrong with an offense. It's generally the execution of the script that goes wrong, and that's where the players are involved. And so – I think some of it is you had an offensive line that was just for the second week working together. They had to get used to it again. They have a new defense they're trying to figure out, and you got a different things the defense does. Once they settled in and they saw what Georgia Tech was doing, you saw the, what they can do. And so, and, and also when you script plays, the scripting is not just to score every time. It's also to, to evaluate what the defense did, what look they got into when you ran that play. And now maybe you go back to it later in the game. You see something that will work later, and you say, okay, when we did this last time at the beginning of the game, they did this. So let's do this now and see how they handle it. So sometimes you're evaluating the game as you go along, too, with the scripted plays. It's not just to, oh, we got to score on the opening drive. Yeah, they want to score, but it's not always what it's about. And um, so there's a lot of things to consider. So don't like, you know, First of all, Garrett Riley, I thought it's called a great game the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. And guys, I don't know if you've noticed, um, but Dabo Sweeney doesn't have a flip card in his hand. Have y'all noticed that the last two weeks? I have. 
Mm -hmm. So, and I remember we said it uh, like a month ago, we were noticed like he kept on putting his hand back into the cookie jar a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I, and obviously, as you said, it's like, you can't be so critical sometimes of the play caller in those moments. And also on top of that, you got to think of it kind of like a boxing match or like a UFC match. It's like, you got to kind of feel it out at the, at the start of games. And in like the setting of college football, you don't get, you can only prepare so much for an opponent and you come in and you have to really feel it, feel it out at the start. And Clemson, the main thing that caused them problems early in the year was they would have mistakes. Like, obviously, even if you don't have efficient drives, you can rely on that championship level defense that Clemson has. And it's important for them to be able to feel it out, get a little bit of a rhythm going and just avoid those mistakes. When you have that defense behind you, obviously you'd want them to be perfect at the start, but doesn't everybody. <laughs> yes. Everybody does want to be perfect. And Hey, look, I'm a, look, I'm a fan just like you guys when it comes to sports and, uh, and so is Cameron, you know, we really, we, we get into it just like you guys do with our teams. Like, uh, everybody will tell you when I'm watching the Pittsburgh Steelers, it's, uh, you don't want to watch it with me um, because uh, I am I am totally involved and I'm invested in uh, what the Steelers do. I feel like I'm doing so. Uh, you know, it, 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 I I understand the frustration, but just understand these guys want to win way more than you because this is what they do. <laughs> so understand they're doing everything they can to be successful. Um, so they want to win way more than any of us want to win. I can guarantee you that. Um, so. You know, we'll see. I think uh, and we're going to kind of talk about this next game coming up because the Tigers got a big one this week. I mean, by the way, so people will know how long it's been, North Carolina comes to Clemson this week, number 22-ranked North Carolina, 8-2 and two overall, a 330 kick in the Valley on ABC. Um, Clemson, by the way, is a six-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. We'll talk about that later. A little surprising to me. Um, but going back to my original thought here, North Carolina, for the first time, plays Clemson as the ranked team, and Clemson's not the ranked team. First time that's happened since 1997 when the Tar Heels came to Death Valley ranked number eight that year and eight and one and beat the six and three Clemson Tigers that year, 17 to 10, a very defensive ball game. Uh, that was North Carolina's first win at the time in Death Valley since 1980. By the way, they've only won one other time since then. Clemson is 12-2 since 1982 against North Carolina in the Valley. Um, so, uh, basically, Clemson's 12-2 against North Carolina since uh, Lawrence Taylor <laughs> in the Valley. <laughs> How about that? Uh, so, uh, Lawrence Taylor in, in, in the Tar Heels won the ACC in 1980 um, and came in here and got a 17-10 win on Clemson that year and uh, had a goal line stand. They stopped Homer Jordan on a quarterback sneak. That was before the tush push, you know, Cameron. That's before oh, the tush Lord, push, so or Jordan couldn't get it in. You couldn't push players back then, mm-hmm. you know. So um, definitely a uh, definitely a game that uh, was disappointing for for Clemson then. But Tigers twelve and two in the Valley against North Carolina, four straight wins. Yeah, and I think if we just want to jump straight into what this game could be, I think we've talked so much about the Clemson defense and what they've done this year. But I don't think they will face a bigger test at any point. They've played some great offenses already. There is no bigger test than Drake May in North Carolina. And obviously, Marion Hampton is one of the top rushers 
in all of college football. And Drake May came into the year considered as one of the highest NFL prospects. And I'll go out on a limb. I think he is the top prospect at quarterback right now. Caleb Williams is really good, but May, he's poised. You can only do so much to stop him, and we'll see how Clemson can do against that on Saturday. Yeah, the uh, number one ranked uh, North Carolina offense in the ACC, number three nationally, the Tar Heels. Uh, let's see, the Tar Heels are averaging uh, 520 yards per game. They're averaging, um, let's see, as we go down the line here, um, averaging uh, they're number two in the ACC in rushing offense, 198.7 yards per game. Uh, the Tar Heels are also, um, you know, uh, passing offense. They lead the ACC with 321 yards per game. Drake May leads the ACC in passing. As you mentioned, he's completing 66% of his passes. He's averaging nine yards per attempt. He's got 21 touchdowns and six interceptions. He's averaging 314.5 yards per game. They have one of the best running backs in the ACC. They have one of or arguably the best wide receiver in the ACC. This is, without a doubt, the most challenging team Clemson has played to this point. I looked at their numbers. I looked it up today. They had um, – and, of course, they've played some bad defenses too. Now, I'm not going to say they haven't, but – they played a Miami defense that's pretty doggone salty. Miami's number two or three in the ACC in total defense. Miami's got one of the best rushing defenses in the ACC. Miami actually has the best rushing defense in the ACC, and they rank in the top ten nationally, just giving up 89 yards a game rushing. Uh, North Carolina went for 208 on them. They ran for 208 yards on that Miami defense that Clemson only ran for 31 yards on. All right. Five yards a carry. Yes, they racked up against a Miami defense that's only given up 312 yards a game. They went for 508 yards on the Hurricanes that day. Racked up 508 yards. Then they play a Duke defense that Clemson fans saw firsthand how good they are. That Duke defense gave up 537 yards to the Tar Heels. And, I mean, that's been one of the better defenses in the ACC all year. They couldn't stop Drake May and company. I mean, these guys continuously, the worst game they've had from a statistical standpoint this season was they had 373 total yards against Pitt. But they won the game 41-17. to And the reason their yards were that bad, were that small is because Pitt turned the ball over all the time on their side of the field. North Carolina had short fields, so they didn't rack up many yards. But when you look at their yards per play, they were killing it. No, so basically what I'm saying here is nobody has stopped North Carolina all season. Not one single team has been able to stop North Carolina, including teams with very good defenses and very good defensive fronts. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really interesting because we talk every week about the turnovers and making sure you can take care of the football and you better do it on Saturday because you cannot give Drake May short fields. And on top of what he does as a passer – People underrate his mobility because if he's able to get loose, he does it. He's still a passer when he scrambles. And we've seen it a little bit out of Cade Klubnick, but Drake May is kind of the gold standard for that in mm -hmm. college football right now. And I think the biggest test will come for this defensive front. And it's not just against the run game, which we've talked so highly of. It's a matter of can you control that run game while also not completely 
focusing on it and allowing Drake May to get loose as a passer. Now, now Clemson, this is the best offense they faced, hands down. Absolutely. But you know what? This is the best defense, hands down, North Carolina's faced. Um, Clemson defense leads the ACC, ranked sixth nationally, giving up 271 yards a game. Um, when you look at the, the rushing yards, uh, Clemson's defense has given up 109.3 yards per game on the ground. Um, you know, number four, but still they're only giving up 3.5 yards per carry, 3.4 yards per carry, which ranks second in the ACC. Um, uh, then passing defense, Clemson ranks second in the ACC in passing defense, just allowing 162.5 yards per game. But pass percentage defense, the Tigers rank second at 53.9%. Uh, yards per attempt, which is huge to me, Clemson's given up just 5.3 yards per attempt. Uh, the Tigers are also tied for second in the ACC with 12 interceptions. So, um, and then when you look at the 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 uh, total yards, excuse me, not total yards, but uh, uh, yards per play, I should say overall, yards per play is 4.38 for Clemson, which leads the ACC as well. So the only you know, and then then there's the as Dabo mentioned today, it's the the stat that doesn't make sense because Clemson's given up 271 yards per game leads the conference, but yet they're giving up 21.2 points per game, which ranks sixth in the ACC. But Dabo's point was, well, the only reason that is is because our offense has been giving people three points, which is true. When you take away the 42 points Clemson's offense has allowed, yes, 42 points the offense has allowed, Clemson is only giving up about 18 points per game which would rank second in the ACC. The Clemson actually what the Clemson defense has given up. And then last week they gave up a scrub touchdown there in the fourth quarter. You could probably say both touchdowns were scrub touchdowns, I but agree. you know, uh, but you got to play those guys. As Dabo says, I can't play my starters the whole game guys. My starters gave up seven points and you know, only 172 yards the whole game. He's like, I can't play them the whole game. They got, I got to bring the other guys in and let them get some experience. Um, but it's offense versus defense, Cameron. It's the great debate. Which one's better? Clemson won the test last week. The defense won. You know, what's going to happen this week, right? I mean, it's, it's it's the great debate this week. Great quarterback versus a great defense. Well, and that's where it gets interesting, though, because we want to sit here and bring up all these numbers between the Clemson defense and the Carolina offense. So we know those two, that's going to be a heavyweight match. So what can Clemson do on offense against UNC's defense? That's where the game can be decided. That's where it will be. And obviously, UNC's given up a little over four yards to carry on the ground. We've seen the Clemson running game really start to find that momentum. We've talked about it a ton with the one-two punch with Shipley and Maffa. There's no better way, to, as good as Clemson's defense is, there is no better way to stop UNC's offense than keep them off the field, and it starts up front. I agree with you. Um, this game is going to – Clemson's offense, if they – they're going to be able to move the ball down the field, and they're going to move the football, I think, with regularity. Now, North Carolina has the same, you know, mindset as Clemson is. They don't want you to score when you get in the red zone. And that's kind of their whole thing. They create turnovers, and they try to just tighten up in the red zone. Uh, they're going to blitz a lot. They're going to bring, you know, um, they're going to bring tons of blitzes, and they're going to do a lot of exotic things because they have to. They have to bring their corners and their safeties 
and stuff like that because they are not going to be able to line up and just stop you. They're a finesse team. Um, and, and, and so when you're a finesse team, this is what happens. So you defensively, you have to adjust, and you adjust by bringing a lot of blitzes and things like that and try to put pressure on the quarterback. It's worked a lot this year at times for them, but it's also blown up in their face a lot. Georgia Tech, for instance. Georgia Tech ran for 245 yards in the fourth quarter on them. You know, so uh, Georgia Tech put up 46 points on this defense. So I think Clemson, I don't think Clemson's going to put up 46 points, but I think they could put up 30 points. And if Clemson can get 30 points, they're winning this game because Georgia, I think North Carolina will get theirs just like Florida State did when they played a good offense in Florida State. Um, just like Georgia Tech did, they'll get theirs. You know, they'll get they'll have their one or two plays. Clemson's offense, though, has got to match it. And then when the defense gives them that extra possession, it gives them that chance to take a lead, they need to take advantage of it. So you're right. It's This game is going to be won or lost based on what the Clemson offense does, not what the Clemson defense does. Um, because they're going to have to come to play, the Clemson offenses, because their defense is going to need them. Because as Dabo mentioned today, Clemson won that game last year in the AC Championship game. But North Carolina had 386 yards. Drake May completed like almost 70% of his passes. North Carolina was 50%, like 9 of 18 on third downs. Uh, Clemson wasn't stopping them. What happened was North Carolina was 2 for 5 in the red zone. And Clemson got an interception. They returned 90 yards, 92 yards for 98 yards for a touchdown also with uh, Nate Wiggins. So, yes, Clemson's defense played well in that game. Yes, they confused Drake May when he got in the red zone, but it's not like they stopped North Carolina. North Carolina moved the football in that ACC championship game last year. Mm -hmm. And when you're looking at North Carolina's last four ACC games against Miami, they gave up 31. Against Virginia, they gave up 31. Against Georgia Tech, they gave up 46. And against Duke, albeit in overtime, they gave up 45. In other words, that proves to you that Clemson can go out there and score. And when you can do that, it, cre- it absolutely changes everything. There's no doubt in my mind Clemson can move the ball in this mm-hmm. team. There's no doubt in my it. mind that if they play clean, that they could score 40 points. We saw that last week. But the question is, can they play clean the whole game? Mm-hmm. You can't give North Carolina extra possessions. Nope. You know, um, this is this offense is way better than Florida State's. I want people to understand that. They run the football better than Florida State. Florida State's a horrible running offense. They do not run the football very well. When Florida State plays an elite defense, they cannot run the football. Well, guess what, my, guess what this North Carolina team can do? They can run the football against an elite defense. They did that against Miami. Florida State had like 30 yards rushing against Miami or 20-something yards rushing, 30 yards rushing. It was bad, okay? Mm-hmm. Couldn't hardly run the ball at all last week at all against Florida, against Miami. North Carolina ran for 208 yards against them. Okay, North Carolina is going to be able to run the football. This is the best offense in the ACC, and it ain't even close. Okay, guys, so y'all guys need to understand that's why it's important for Clemson's offense to execute in this game. They can't give them that extra possession. They can't go into the red zone and just kick a field goal. They have to score touchdowns when they get the opportunity. And, yes, the defense has to make some plays here and there, and I think they will. And that was the key last year in the ACC championship game. They switched out the quarterbacks because, you know, DJ wasn't getting it done. They brought in Klubnik, and all of a sudden, boom, 
Clemson's offense went, took off, and I think that was the difference in the game because Clemson's defense knew then we don't got to win this game. All we got to do is to make some plays. The offense has showed up. They're going to they're gonna win the game for us. That's what happened. Clemson's going to need that complimentary style of football again this week. They got it against Notre Dame. They got it against um, uh, Georgia Tech. They're going to have to get it again this week and then some to beat North Carolina. This is not going to be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. Drake May is an NFL quarterback, guys. He's going to be the probably the number one or number two overall pick in next year's draft. He is uh, He's elite. He can make plays. Like the other day, Duke had him for a sack. Looked like Duke had him. He throws it with his left hand to complete the ball, and it kept a first down, and it allowed North Carolina to get to score the touchdown to win the game. Drake May did that on his own. He's going to make plays on his own. Now the question is, if you're Clemson, you hope you can cause him to turn the ball over because if the offense is doing their thing, like when I watched the Georgia Tech game, Drake May started pressing late in the game because his defense couldn't get a stop. And so he's like, i got to be perfect if we're going to win this game. And he couldn't. He couldn't get it done. And and, and so Clemson's got to kind of put that same pressure on them. So it's up to the Clemson offense to provide that pressure. And I think it's interesting. One thing I'll say on the mental side, because you mentioned when Klubnik came in last year, and that was kind of like when the swagger kind of showed up on the Clemson offense. Mm-hmm. So, and that can play a large factor here because Klubnik and Clemson know with him at the helm, they can beat Drake May in North Carolina. They know they're capable of doing that. And I think that's really important to have that mindset coming into this week because if they know if the offense gets rolling, they can rely on it and just make sure that it doesn't get out of hand early. They actually can. So we're going to talk about this game a little bit more in a, little, in a minute, but we'll go ahead and start our um, our pick six segment um, as we start to wind things down here, Cameron. And um, as you, you've done this before with me, so you know what the pick six are. And LeVon's pretty good at this. He hates it, but he's really good at it. He really <laughs> is. I mean, he almost nails them almost every week. You know, to the point where I'm just like shaking my head, like, damn, he's good. You know, when I go back and review these. Um, but we'll start off speaking of Miami earlier, number nine, Louisville at Miami, noon kickoff, ABC, Louisville minus one. This game is huge because of what's going on in the valley at 3:30. North Carolina fans are gonna be watching this game because if Louisville loses and then North Carolina beats Clemson and beats NC State the following week. North Carolina is in the ACC championship game playing the Tar Heels for the title. Um, Miami's kind of hard to figure out here because I'm surprised it's a one-point line, aren't you? Because Miami's like – Tyler Van Dyke's a turnover machine, and they they just lost a young kid. The freshman broke his arm. He's done for the season. And yet Louisville is going in on the road, and I know Louisville hasn't played well on the road this year. But still, I mean, I would think Louisville with with Tyler Van Dyke's issues and how good Louisville's defense is, Louisville would be like a three-point favorite, not a one-point favorite, right? I mean, aren't you a little surprised by this line? Yeah, I just think it's odd because we've said it. I remember we had the talks back in week two when Louisville had a little bit of a quick start to the year. We're sitting there like, oh, well, they've got to drop one or two here or there. And every single time we say it, they haven't. So it's just impressive to see that Vegas on that side is giving Miami so much credit coming into this game. I just don't see how you can bet against the Cardinals given how they've played this year. Look, I get it. Miami's defense is elite. 
It's yeah. a very good defense. Miami's defense is every bit as good as Clemson's. Mm-hmm. We saw that firsthand in Miami. I mean, I watched them firsthand. That is a good defense. I watched them against Florida State. They held Florida State to 322 total yards. They held. They did. A, they did as good a job on Florida State as Clemson did on Florida State. Clemson, Florida State, 317. So the two teams that have shut down Florida State, right, are Miami and Clemson. They both lost, but they shut down Florida State's offense. Miami's defense is legit, and they will do some things against Louisville. And you wonder if um, uh, our boy there, the quarterback, what's his name? Um, Man, number 11 for Louisville. Um, say what? Is it Plummer? Yeah, Plummer. Sorry. I didn't want to say the old former Arizona quarterback, Jake yeah. Plummer. Um, you know, but Plummer is – he's um, he's prone to turn the football over at times. You know, uh, you go back and watch a couple of the games later, earlier in the year, go back and watch that pit game, right? You feel like Miami could do that. Because Louisville is prone to mess up on the road. And if that happens, then I can see Miami pull off this win. However, I think with everything that's at stake and how good of a coach Braum is, and I think he's a really good coach, I just don't see him putting his offense in that situation where, or putting his defense, which has been great all year. They've Louisville's defense has played great all year, putting that defense in bad situations. I think Louisville takes care of the football. They'll take care of their opportunities when they get them, and then they'll play good defense behind it. And I think Louisville goes and I think they cover this minus one. Yeah, I'll be boring, and I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. I just obviously, as we said, he's got nine interceptions on the year, so he's been prone to turn it over. But I just think they're going to be way too careful in this game for Miami to get the edge they need. And as we've seen, every time we start to think that we could doubt Louisville, they just show up and win. Well, that's that's what they do, right? Um, <laughs> you believe that in 2023? Well, they got a good coach, so Louisville might be around for a while. Absolutely. Um, let's look at this game. Number one, Georgia at number 21, Tennessee, 3:30 kickoff, CBS. Georgia is a 10 point favorite. Tennessee got their butts handed to them what? last week by Missouri. Um, by the way, the Missouri run game is unbelievable. I mean. That guy is averaging over 100-something yards. He rushed for over 200 yards against Georgia and then did then comes back and does it again against um, Missouri, I mean against uh, Tennessee last week. And Tennessee came in leading the SEC in rushing defense last last week. Well, that's gone now. They gave up over 200 yards rushing to him. I mean, but what do you think here? Georgia got the big win last week. This is the first time, right, Georgia's gone on the road and played a big game, though, I mean, all year. And now their other game's been at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of their big ones. So, uh, what are you thinking here, Cameron? With uh, number uh, Georgia minus ten here, I think Tennessee. This feels because, like you, as we said, like Missouri just worked Tennessee. Like it, it wasn't even pretty at all. And I think coming into and another thing, I got to mention it late in the game when you're down thirty points and you're in the red zone, you kick a field goal. That was a, that was a little interesting. Mm-hmm. So I just had to mention that, but. As I say that, this just feels like a game where Tennessee will come out and play really well. And we mentioned earlier, you mentioned the Tennessee quarterback, Joe Milton. He's got an arm, but you're playing Georgia. And it's just realizing that. But on the on the backs of the fans in Neyland, if they can get some momentum early, potentially turn over Carson Beck, then you're talking about a very, very different game than when they're playing in Athens. Yeah, I think so too. I think going to Neyland is going to be a little difficult. 
Um, I'm with you. I think, um, you know, when you look at this game, I think you got to give three points to Tennessee at that point. And uh, they're, they're worthy of three. And then you, you look at it like, okay, Georgia's run game has done well. And I know they got um, – they got their uh, their big tight end back last week. Um, he surprised everybody and came back and played last week. I was just stunned to see him out there, and um, and they and they they've looked good the last few weeks. Georgia has. They've looked like Georgia, and I still think they're going to look like Georgia. I think they're going to win this game, um, but I'm going to go ahead and take Tennessee plus the ten. I think Georgia wins, but I think it's closer than the ten points. I think it's like a seven point game. Um, so, like, maybe Tennessee gets a backdoor cover or something like that. But I think Tennessee, because it's at home, because, you know, all that environment and everything, they'll play much better than they did. Tennessee's been horrible on the road. They've been good at home, been horrible on the road. I think you'll get a good performance out of Tennessee in this game against Georgia. They'll give it everything they have. But I think in the end, Georgia comes out with a victory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think Tennessee has a really good first half. You could go to the game tied, go to the halftime tied potentially in this game or with a Tennessee lead, but still there. And it's hard when I'm looking at the line. I just think Georgia's too good to let that game slip away from them and let it still be close. The backdoor cover is interesting, but I'm actually going to take Georgia minus 10. That's a smart move on your part. Uh, Next we got – Excuse me, that didn't show up, did it? Well, it's showing up in a, as a scroll. My bad. Let me let me fix that. <laughs> there we go. Uh, next, we got. Uh, hold on, it's, things are not oh, working. Well, as we go. Technology, folks. Technology's not working. Sorry, people. Stand by. Hold on. We are gonna go. Boom. There we there go. There we go. How about that? Number twenty-three, Kansas State versus Kansas, seven p.m. on FS1. K, KSU is an eight-point favorite. Um, I was hoping this game would be ranked on rank, but Kansas, you know, they had a hiccup. You know, that proverbial trap game in there in between, you know, got them last week, and they got upset by Texas Tech 16-13. Um, Kansas State's playing much better. I think Kansas State might be playing the best football of anybody in the Big 12 right now. They have a chance to sneak into the – Big 12 championship game, maybe. I mean, um, what do you think about this one right here? With uh, do, do you think Kansas State can get it done and, and get themselves in the in the cha- and, and maybe win out the rest of the year and get themselves in the championship game? Yeah, no, I think you said it for me. I I think Kansas State's rolling, and when obviously you have good quarterback play, a lot of things change. So I think right now, obviously Kansas is coming off a, a brutal loss like that. I think Kansas State just comes in. Kansas is going to respond. There's no doubt about that. This will be a good game, but I still think Kansas State comes in, but I don't think they cover. I will take them outright, though. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think they cover either. Um, I think this, I think that eight points is on the road. Kansas has played good all year. They, they got the upset win of Oklahoma at home. Um, I think it is a rivalry game, so Kansas State is more kind of focused and wanting to get this win and, and keep that momentum going. Um, but I'm with you. I think it's going to be a tighter game. I think it's going to be like a field goal kind of game. So give me Kansas uh, plus the eight there in that one. This is a game I think that's coming up that's going to intru- that's going to intrigue a lot of Clemson fans. Um, and let me pull it up here in a second if I can just learn how to do this stuff. Um, my bad. <laughs> you got to love live technology. Um, Man, it ain't working. 
Uh, <laughs> all right, hold on. Stand by. Here we well, go. Well, while we're sitting here, that will remind me that we were before the show talking about the game in Kansas. Why in the world is that game this week? Given that next week is rivalry week. Yeah, it's a good question. The Big 12, I don't know why they don't want their rivalry games to be with other rivalry games. I don't know when you because you know you look at they had Oklahoma State and Oklahoma a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. right? Um, you've already had, of course, they do Texas Oklahoma every year mid October. Um, so I don't understand. You know, you figured you want to have this game, you know, at the end of the year because it's a rivalry game. It's a good way to end the season for both teams. I don't know. That's a good question. With big you know. implications as well. It could have much bigger implications if you had played it next week. Exactly. Well, here's the other game that I found. I'm sorry. It took me forever. <laughs> um, I, what I had, I had some issues with uh, games I should have deleted from last week on here. So my apologies. Uh, number five, Washington State. Excuse me. Number five, Washington at number 10, Oregon State. 7.30 p.m. ABC. Oregon State is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. That surprises me. Oregon State is a two-and-a-half-point favorite over the number five team in the country. Oregon State's lost twice, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. And obviously you're playing against the guy who very well could win the Heisman if he if he rides out the season well. It's honestly insane to me to think that Oregon State's getting two-and-a-half in this game. I just don't see how I can – obviously DJ's had some really, really good games this year for Oregon State, but I just – can't see a world where I'm betting against undefeated Washington and Michael Penix. Yeah, I mean Oregon State's defense is good, but they're not great. I mean, right? And you I mean, need to be great to defend that offense. You got to be great to defend. You got to be like Oregon. You know, with Oregon's got a really Oregon's got the best defense in the Pac-12. Oregon State's probably like maybe third or fourth best. You know, they're okay. They're you know, but they're not great. Um, and I know maybe they're looking at this time, like the last time they went on the road, I think they went to Washington, they went to Arizona and they got, you know, it's 15 to seven or whatever it was. Maybe that's kind of what they're looking at here. That kind of game. I just don't see Washington having that of an offensive game again, nope. you know, um, by a team not named Oregon, I should say, cause I think Oregon could give them a bad game. Um, but I don't know. I'm with you. I think this line should be more Washington minus the three instead of Oregon State, minus two and a half. So I'm going to go with the Huskies here. I think they cover and they win this game, um, but I'm going to go ahead and take the Huskies plus the two and a half. Yep, I 100% agree. I can't see a world where I go against the Huskies here. They'll cover. There we go. Um, And then we'll move here to our next one as I make sure I do this right. And here we go. How about that? I did it right. Um, Number 22, North Carolina at Clemson, 3.30 p.m. ABC. Clemson is a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. This is the first time since 1997 that North Carolina comes into the Clemson game ranked, and the Tigers are not ranked. Um, As I mentioned, that was also played in Death Valley, and North Carolina won that game 17-10. do we have a similar situation this year, Mr. Burnett? And we've talked about this game a lot. I I think six and a half really is a lot of points coming into this game, especially against the offense that North Carolina has. It's going to be really hard, even if you have control of this game late, to stop them from making it a touchdown game. But the six and a half does make it interesting because that opens the door for that touchdown game. But 
I'm actually I'm gonna say Clemson wins, but that said, I do think it'll be a game where people are gonna need to get a breather though, because I think Clemson will not cover, but they will win. Oh, so you're saying um, Robert's gonna be very nervous on the sideline. Yes, there. absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah. and, and hopefully Bart sends him back with a card that's not empty this week. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully he doesn't do that this week. Mm-hmm. Bart, Bart may not get any of the adult beverages he's promised. No, he, no Coors Light. <laughs> no Coors Light for you. Um, yeah, this game's interesting because there's one hand, I'm a big defensive guy, so I always believe a great defense will beat a great offense. I believe that. I always have, I've always felt that way. There's a reason why offense sells tickets and defense wins championships. It's a true statement. Clemson didn't start winning championships until they brought in who? Mr. Venables. That's correct. Um, North Carolina does not have a defense. They don't. They don't have a defense. Clemson's offense is not North Carolina's offense. We know that. Um, but Clemson's defense can get stops. So your two heavyweights go against each other. It's not like North Carolina's offense is going against Clemson's offense, right? I mean, that doesn't happen. Mm-mm. You know, Kate Klubnick's not got to go against Drake May. Nope. You know, so Clemson's defense has been physical all year. They've been able to, for the most part, stop everybody and everything they like to do well. And I think this, this game starts with the fact Clemson's got to stop the run. I think it starts there. North Carolina can run the football. They're second in the ACC, averaging nearly 200 yards a game rushing. Clemson – has got to shut that down. You got to make Drake May as crazy as this sound. You got to make Drake May beat you because if you're giving Drake May the opportunity to where he can have third and medium or second and medium or second and short or third and short, he's going to kill your off defense because then they can light it up and get those receivers downfield and they can do whatever they want to. But if you put any offense in third and second and long situations, it's better for your defense. It gives your defense an opportunity to make plays on their side. And I think that's what you're going to see in this one. I'm going to take Clemson plus uh, – I'm going to take Clemson minus a six and a half. I do think the defense gets it done in this game. I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout, but I like I like that six and a half. I think the Tigers are going to cover and, and win this game. So give me Clemson minus a six and a half. How about that? There we go. And if you want to know our scores – you have to go to the Clemson Insider later on this week, and you'll see our our predictions. And I'll also have it in my preview and prediction story as well um, later in the week. But you know, at least where I'm leaning, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and I'll tell you what kind of game I think it might be. Doesn't mean I'm right. It just means this is what I think. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I like the Tigers to win this game by at least a touchdown um, over the Tar Heels. So, give me the Clemson minus the six, man. Hey, man, it was fun, Cameron. Appreciate you, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, even on short notice. <laughs> Second time I've had to do it, but it's been awesome. Great to yeah. be here. And by the way, if uh, the fans want to that are out there listening, you want to uh, go bet on this, go to betonline.ag, and you could play some bets on this. You also can do some props or things of that nature you could do as well. So go to betonline.ag and uh, get yourself involved. Remember to use that 50% uh, discount bonus when you go on. If you haven't been on before, That's uh, use the B-L-E-A-V to do that. So we appreciate Bet Online. We appreciate the Clemson Insider. We appreciate Tip It Back Sports Grill. We appreciate all you guys watching as well. For Cameron Burnett, I'm Will Vandervoort. We'll talk to you next time on Believing Clemson Football with LeVon Kirkland.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.